0: Welcome back to our study of 2 Kings. As we mentioned last time, we are in a pivotal moment in the story that First and 2 Kings is telling. So where 1 Kings ended and Second Kings begins, uh, there are some significant transitions that are taking place. We saw last time King Ahab had died at the end of 1 Kings. And then in 2 Kings chapter 1, we start with a new king in Israel, Ahaziah, who by the end of chapter 1, also has died, and now in this session, in chapter two of 2 Kings, we're gonna see perhaps the most significant transition at this point in the book, and that is the transition from Elijah to Elisha as the primary prophet. So Elisha has been under Elijah, but now Elijah is going to be taken up, and Elisha will take his place as the primary prophet. At work in Israel. So let's look together to 2 Kings chapter 2 and look at this uh, transition, this famous story really, of the, the taking up of Elijah and the transition to the ministry of Elisha. So beginning in verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 2, it says, Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel, and the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elijah Then Elijah said to to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. 50 men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water and the water was parted to the one side and to the other so the two of them could go over on dry ground. All right, let's stop there and notice what we've seen so far. First of all, it's very clear from the beginning of the verse, uh, beginning of the chapter what's about to happen. And verse 1 says the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind. So we know this story, right? We're familiar with this story, how uh, there's, there are going to be chariots of fire and horses, and Elijah is going to be taken up. And so the chapter begins by telling us this is the story that you're about to encounter, that God was about to take Elijah up by a whirlwind, and Elijah is traveling from Gilgal to Bethel to the Jordan River, and he keeps trying to get Elisha to stay behind, but Elijah, or excuse me, Elisha insists on coming with him. And as they go, they encounter these groups of prophets who are saying to Elisha, do you know what's about to happen? Do you know that God is about to take Elijah from you? And uh, of course he does, which means that God has evidently revealed this to these several prophets um, in these different places and to Elisha himself. So they all know what's coming. And so the way the story is told, uh, just sort of builds the the tension, the expectation, uh, emphasizes perhaps even the significance of what is about to happen as we are basically told about it multiple times as the event itself approaches. And a one significant thing that happens, um, as Elijah journeys uh, along the way toward you know toward this event right is this crossing of the Jordan River that takes place. So we read about in verse 8. he takes his cloak, rolls it up, strikes the water, and the water parts to one side and the other right So they walk over on dry ground. this is, reminiscent of two things uh, that have already happened in scripture one uh, it's reminiscent of the crossing of the red sea of course when the egyptians were pursuing the hebrews uh, after they left after the passover after the ten plagues and uh, god parted the waters for them the waters of the red sea and they were able to cross over on dry ground and then of course when pharaoh and his army tried to follow them god brought the waters back upon them and destroyed pharaoh and his army so Elijah's crossing of the Jordan River reminds us of that, but it also reminds us of a crossing of the Jordan River that has happened before. And that is when Joshua brought the people of Israel into the Promised Land. Remember, Moses died outside the Promised Land. When Joshua brought the people of Israel into the Promised Land, God parted the waters of the Jordan so that the Israelites could cross over the Jordan into the promised land on dry ground, passing through the river. And so this is reminding us of that event as well. We'll have more to say about that in a little bit. But main two things so far are Elijah is about to be taken up. Elijah, Elisha knows it, Elijah certainly knows it, uh, we would assume, and these other prophets know it. And two, Elijah uh, has just uh, passed through the Red Sea in a way that reminds us of the Exodus and of the entrance into the promised land under Joshua. Now, picking up in verse 9, it says, When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in pieces." Okay, so now we get to the actual event, right? That Elijah is taken up into heaven. But before that happens, Elijah says to Elisha, what request would you make of me? What do you want me to do for you? And he requests a double portion of Elijah's spirit, which Elijah says, that's a hard thing, um, but you'll know if you've received it if you see me when I am taken up from you, right? And so Elisha does see, right? Um, And it says, as they still went on, verse 11, right? Chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it, right? So I think that means he met the conditions, right? This is the sign. He saw what happened, and so he does get a double portion of Elijah's spirit, um, and he cries out at the departure of Elijah and um, tears his own clothes. Now, some of what's significant about this—well, I'll l- hold on to that. We're going to talk about the significance of Elijah being taken up in a-, a few more moments. Let's keep going through the story. Right, verse 13, and he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elisha went over. So uh, Elijah has left his cloak behind. Elisha takes it up and says, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Strikes the water and the water parts and he passes over the jordan going back into the promised land so this is uh i think particularly reminding us of that crossing of the jordan by joshua that we mentioned earlier because this transition from elijah to elisha is like the transition from moses to joshua right moses was a towering figure he was the uh, one, God had uh, chosen to confront Pharaoh and speak to him and, and through him to do signs and wonders and lead Israel out of Egypt and lead them through the wilderness and to meet with God and to bring down the Ten Commandments and all these things. And then Moses dies and now here's Joshua. right? Who wants to be Joshua following somebody like Moses and having to lead the people now in his place? But God uh, chose Joshua as Moses' successor, right? And he was charged not to be afraid. And God promised that he would be with Joshua like he was with Moses. And uh, one of the, the signs, right, that God was with Joshua like he was with Moses was the parting of the Jordan as the Israelites went into the promised land, right? Reminding them of how God delivered them from Egypt through the Red Sea Now, he brought them out of Egypt to bring them into the promised land. And so just like he brought them out through a body of water, parted and walking across on dry land. So he brings them into the promised land through a body of water that's parted and they're walking on dry land, right? So God is still at work. God is still with them. And in the same way here, we were transitioning from Elijah, who is a towering, figure at the time. He's the one who confronted Ahab and the prophets of Baal, who God answered him with fire from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And uh, Elijah slaughtered the prophets of Baal. He stood up to King Ahab and, and all of this. So Elijah, again, a major figure. And now here comes Elisha, right? Who's going to take his place. And Uh, God is going to be with Elisha like he was with Elijah, and uh, just like he showed himself to be with Joshua like he had been with Moses, in the same way uh, he's going to be with the successor of Elijah, Elisha, and one of the ways we see that is through this crossing of the Jordan on dry land back into the promised land. Now, when he comes back, notice what happens. Verse 15 says, Now, when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. So there's another indication that Elijah's request, or excuse me, Elisha's request was granted. It doesn't say anything about double portion here, right? But it does say that the spirit of Elijah now rests on Elisha. And um, it goes on to say, And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. And they said to him, Behold, now there are with your servants fifty strong men. Please let them go and seek your master. It may be that the Spirit of the Lord has caught him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, You shall not send. But when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, Send. They sent therefore fifty men, and for three days they sought him, but did not find him. And they came back to him while he was staying at Jericho, and he said to them, did I not say to you, do not go. So they want to be sure, right, that Elijah really is gone. They want to go seek and see if God has merely moved Elijah somewhere. And it's something that we see elsewhere in the Bible. This happens to Philip in the book of Acts, that the spirit of God puts him down uh, in a different place. where he had been before moved him right as it were and so they're saying maybe God just swept him up and then dropped him off somewhere it's possible Elisha knows that's not the case he doesn't want them to send men to seek after him but they do and when they come back they report they haven't found him and Elisha says well I you know I told you not to go Uh, I knew that was going to be the result. So what that does for us, right, is is um, sort of nails down that Elijah really has been taken up into heaven. Now this is really significant because this only happens two times in the Old Testament. Uh, It happened to Enoch in Genesis chapter five. You might remember Enoch is the man. The Genesis five twenty four says Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him now does that mean he took him in the same manner that he took Eli- elijah it doesn't say anything about chariots and horsemen it could have been different right but it is similar in that in that chapter everybody else it says he died he died he died he died he died he died but of enoch it says he was not for god took him and then in, uh, in hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 it says by faith enoch was taken up so that he would not see death and he was not found because god had taken him now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, right? So Enoch was a man of faith. He was a man who walked with God and God took him, right? He didn't die. He was just taken up into heaven. And that's what happened to Elijah as well. This is not a common occurrence, right? It only happens, again, a couple times in the Old Testament. Uh, it's also significant that Elijah is one of the two men who's standing with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. You read that story in Matthew 17, Moses and Elijah both appear there with Jesus, uh, talking with him on the mountain. And uh, Peter and James and John witnessed that. All right, so, um, so Elijah, Elijah is gone. God has taken him up. And then verse 19 says, Now the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the land is unfruitful. He said, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went to the spring of water and threw salt in it and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been healed to this day according to the word that Elisha spoke. So God is speaking through or working through Elisha. Again, it's evident that God is at work in Elisha. He performs this miracle, heals the water there. It also may be a connection back to Moses. Right, who um, healed the, the bitter water that was made sweet back in Exodus. I think it's chapter 16 or so. Uh, and then verse 23 says, He went up from there to Bethel, and while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, Go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. And he turned around, and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. From there, he went on to Mount Carmel, and from there, he returned to Samaria. Now, that's a story that um, catches us off guard. It's surprising, uh, perhaps even a little disturbing, right? What is going on that these boys uh, were um, mauled by these bears for what they did to Elisha. Well, one thing to notice here, and this is something that I did not pick up on myself, um, but in a a couple different places this was pointed out, and it's significant, right? But it's just small enough that it's easy to skip over. Uh, When Jeroboam uh, became the king of Israel, when it broke off from Judah and the kingdom was divided, he set up golden calves in uh, Dan, in the north of Israel, and Bethel in the south of Israel. So Bethel um, These uh, others have pointed out the fact that this happens in Bethel is significant because this is probably a place where idolatry is still firmly rooted and the people there are not faithful to Yahweh, but are worshiping another God or other gods and so that's a significant part of what's going on here as well and um I wonder if the main one of the main reasons why we're told this story is to draw another connection between Elijah and Elisha, Um, that just as uh, Elijah called upon God and God answered from heaven with fire uh, at the showdown with the prophets of Baal, um, that here Elisha curses them in the name of the Lord, and uh, the curse comes into effect right through these. Um, bears. And um, I, I mentioned before, back when we did First Kings, um, Dale Ralph Davis is Old Testament um, commentator, Bible teacher, um, really, really helpful guy. And so his his commentary on 2 Kings, uh, very helpful to me um, with this passage, this part of the end in particular, but also with um, earlier in the chapter um, with uh, the transition from Elijah to Elisha. I think there was something he said that helped me kind of put those things together uh, in a way I, I hadn't before reading his comments. but also um, he says some helpful things that I, that I think might uh, kind of help us process what's going on in this, this scene of judgment right here at the end. <clears throat> right? He says one of the things he, he points out that, that I had not noticed is he, he said essentially that this is a covenant curse that is being enacted. He said, the covenant curse of Leviticus 26:22." There's these statements in the Old Testament in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, blessings and curses for Israel if they obey, and if they disobey. He quotes Leviticus 26:22, 22, which says, I will let loose the wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children. He says that curse explains the episode. Um, in other words, the reason why this is happening is because they have broken covenant with God, and God warned them that this kind of thing would happen. It it strikes us as uh, feeling a little harsh or severe, perhaps. Um, but but he's pointing out this this is the kind of thing that God had warned them about. This is an act of judgment. He says also when they say you know go up bald head, go up baldhead he says um, that he he thinks the best way to interpret that is that they're basically saying when they say go up they mean keep on going up right. Just, get on out of town keep going by here don't stop here don't talk to us we don't want to hear what you have to say we're not interested in listening to god's prophets we we got our own thing going you just leave us alone and so um he points out they were uh deliberately intentionally rejecting god's spokesman god's prophet and so judgment comes upon them as a result of that Um, it's still you know uh, a difficult passage to be sure Uh, but again, I think the main thing that's going on here, and again, I think, I think Dale Ralph Davis probably helped me put this together too. The main thing that's going on here is, uh, indicating that God has, um, is working through Elisha in the same way that he's working through Elijah. And so that's, that's the main thing. There's a, it's a major transition, right? Major transition from Elijah to Elisha, but at the same time, it's not that different. Right. Um, because God is with Elisha in the way that he had been with Elijah before. Uh, but before we close, the main thing to remember is that all of this right, points us forward to Christ. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier that Elijah is uh, with Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. He's brought three of his disciples up. Jesus has he's transfigured before them. They see his glory uh, sort of unveiled, as it were. And God speaks from heaven. They're in the presence of Moses and Elijah, the two, arguably the two greatest prophets of the Old Testament. And God speaks from heaven and he says, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Highlighting the significance, the greatness of Jesus. Jesus is a prophet, yes, but more than a prophet. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Elijah. He's greater than Elisha. He's greater than Isaiah. He's greater than Ezekiel. He's greater than all the prophets, all the figures of the Old Testament, because he's not just a person who has come to speak God's word. He is the word of God made flesh. So uh, hope this story um, is uh, encouraging to you, helpful to you. Um, as you remember God's faithfulness and God's continuing work from one generation to the next. Uh, again, I'm grateful to Dale Ralph Davis for helping me uh, put some things together in this lesson and um, grateful to you for joining us. And I hope you'll stick with us as we continue through the book of Second Kings and learn about the faithfulness of God even when his people are unfaithful. God bless.